Hey, what's going on, guys? It's DK. Back at you with another video here to break down the two-game NBA playoff slate on Tuesday. If you're a first-time viewer, welcome to my channel. I make content for DraftKings, for prize picks, and NBA Top Shot. If you guys are looking for more in-depth content, I do offer that on Patreon.com. We've had a really, really good playoffs, and it's continu it continued tonight uh, with a, a lot of Big, big wins. Uh, Josiah just had a third place finish in the USFL yesterday. Uh, follows it up with a third place in the $100 single entry. I was close to him, but he beat me out. But yeah, huge night for him. Congrats there. Um, John with a takedown in the showdown. Uh, 10x night. You'll love to see it. A few other big winners. Gabe, a solid, you know, 2 3x. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great night all around. So again, guys, if you are looking for, for more in depth content, Check out my Patreon linked down below. And the sponsor of this video, guys, is Superdraft. Superdraft, uh, you can use my discount code DKDFS when you deposit uh, $50 or more. That is linked down below. And I'll have some content up for Superdraft here shortly. But it's super fun. They offer player prop contest. Also, they have uh, they offer um, multiplier uh, contest. Basically, how it works is... The good players, uh, you know, like John, Steph, usually around a one, one X multiplier. So um, they're usually right around one. Whereas you scroll down to like, you know, kind of the bench guys, they'll get, you know, 1.9 X, for example, for, for Gary Payton, two X for like, you know, some of these guys that are probably not going to play. But um, that's where uh, this uh, super draft gets a little bit different. Um, and they offered pretty decent sized contests. There will be some overlay as well. So like I said, guys, if you want to try it out, Use the code DKDFS um, on a deposit, uh, $50 or more. Again, linked down below. All right, so let's get into the video. Um, really quick, though, we got to recap my lineup tonight. So, oh, I was so close. Was I was sweating the showdown slate. It was so, so close. But, um, yeah, no ejections. Um, so... Uh, with no bad variance, once again, another amazing night. Uh, 3X uh, in the $100 sun ground tree there, finished 16th. Um, and then in the showdown here, let's go over that really quick. Was so close. I just needed a few more points from Aiton. I finished 16th in the big contest. I only entered that. It was like a, what, $15 entry or whatever. I had Luca in the captain, who I was all over. Obviously, that's not a contrarian take. But I was all about Booker over Paul. Um, that worked out in a big way. Jay Crowder, too. Um, Faders got a little bit bailed out with uh, the foul trouble again for him. I went to campaign to McGee at low ownership. They both worked out in a big way. And then Aiton, again, I needed a couple more points from Aiton. So I was at 258. The winning lineup, I guess it was a little bit higher, uh, 267. Oh, it's because the bridges. You had like, yes, you had like eight bridges garbage time free throws. So it was like, I only, it was like a three point uh, difference when I checked with like a few seconds left. But yeah, I forgot about Mikel Bridges hitting like, 20 garbage time free throws. Uh, but um, yeah, showdown was great. Um, again, came very, very close to the big money there. And then the main slate, again, was really solid as well. Nice 3X, nothing crazy, but um, having Harden obviously hurt a bit, but he was pretty popular. Um, yeah, over half the field faded Luka. Remember, there are people saying, you can't play Luka against Mikel Bridges. Those are probably the same people that said Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't have a ceiling, right? Luka going for 75, obviously an absolute must. Um, again, Harden was let down. The game was a blowout. So I talked about this. I mentioned it in my YouTube video, and I talked about this a good amount on Patreon, how 
I thought there was a chance that first game would blow out. And if you wanted to, you know, kind of stack the second game, maybe get to a Valley piece or two or look to BAM that you could in the first game. And a lot of people ended up doing that and it paid off in a big way because the first game blew out. And this Philadelphia team is pretty bad without uh, Embiid. But can we also talk about Doc River? Like, uh, okay, Paul Reed faders. Don't get me started with the Paul Reed faders. He's on pace to break the slate, picks up three fouls, loses a good chunk of minutes there in the first half, picks up his fourth right away, right to the bench, comes in, picks up his fifth right away, right to the bench, looking like he's going to check in for garbage time with five minutes left. I'm like, yes, let's go. You know, Reed really going to punish the faders here in garbage time. Dust off Charles Bassey. He plays garbage time. Just Reed played like 12 minutes. I was so tilted about that. Um, but yeah, Bam Adebayo was a smash. Uh, he was one of the few players that did well in that game. So I wanted, I, what I was also talking about a lot on Patreon, well, I wanted to go underweight on the chalk Miami heat value. Um, the reason was Oladipo being in that rotation, um, that was a big difference. Because like, Oladipo's a high usage guy. So, you know, right when we got the ownership and I saw 60% stress, I'm like, I'm totally fine not having that. A score independent player who, um, you know, him and Vince are going to lose usage to Oladipo. So that worked out in a big way, fading a massive chalk stress. Um, again, Crowder was also on pace for a huge night. He got in foul trouble again. He's just getting in foul trouble every single game. Uh, and then Payne and McGee were solid as well. So that's a look back for me, guys. It was a really, really good night overall in the main and the showdown slate. Good night for Patreon members as well. Hoping to keep that going. But let's talk about this uh, two-game slate. We'll start off with Milwaukee and Boston. So what I want to say first is you're going to see a lot of overreactions. We have seen it throughout the playoffs, right? And you're going to see it in game two here, right? People are going to overreact to what happened in game one, you know, especially with one player in that Golden State game who we'll talk about. But um, yeah, let's start off again with Milwaukee. So Giannis said in a combo 11-4, have absolutely no issue paying the price point for him. He's going to play around 40 minutes. He didn't have the best shooting game, but still won for 64. I mean, that's the type of ceiling Giannis has. Um, I know Boston's good defensively, but I mean, no one can really step with Giannis. So have no issue if you want to pay that price point for him. Drew Holiday was very low owned. He was like 5% owned in the main slate. Not going to happen now, right? Um, he'll be a little bit more popular as he should be. He's going to be, you know, the second uh, guy behind Giannis. Um, you know, the um, the Robin to his Batman. So um, I think Drew Holiday is is a solid option here. He's probably playing close to 40 minutes. Uh, he's a guy that can stuff the stat sheet as well as, you know, Giannis. So I think both the main Milwaukee guys look pretty good. Now in the mid-range, we have Portis at 6'3". Kind of just indifferent on him. I played him last game. He was solid. I expect 30 to 35 minutes from Bobby Portis. He's a good rebounder. He's gone for double-digit rebounds now in the last four games. So no issue going there. I think Brooke Lopez at 4'8 is also one I'm kind of just like, eh, it's fine. He'll play 25 to 30 minutes. Played 28 minutes last game. Yeah, it's okay, right? I don't love it. Don't hate it. Um, Grayson Allen, 4'7". I think this is a solid option. You know, he's relatively score independent, uh, but he's going to have open looks, right? With with what Giannis does, you're going to have open three looks for Grayson Allen. And he's been shooting the ball well. So prices come down a bit. He was 5.2K a couple sites ago. Now he's at 4.7. He also has shooting guard, small forward eligibility. So um, I'm more inclined to play Grayson Allen in this slate than I was previous slate. So um, I think he's he's a totally fine option. Pat Connaughton, maybe a little bit safer, about $1,000 cheaper than Allen. Uh, maybe not as high of a ceiling, but since he's about $1,000 cheaper, I think he's a little bit safer. Um, you know, Connaughton, decent rebounder, also can knock down some threes. He shot it better a bit of late, uh, 7-11 and 3-6 in the last couple of games. 
And then I will unfortunately mention Wes Matthews. It's not a fun roster at all, but he's probably playing mid to high 20s minutes. He is only 3-3, but I mean, Wes Matthews has this type of floor, right? He can get you like four fantasy points in 25 minutes, but at close to min price for a guy that's a pretty big part of his rotation, yeah, he's fine. No, I'm not considering Javon Carter. I'm not going there. All right, on the Boston side, so... um. Here's what I'm talking about. We're probably going to see some overreactions. So Tatum was like 70% owned last slate, and he kind of busted, right? He did not shoot well. I, I can almost guarantee you that ownership's going to drop. I'm fine going to Tatum, though, on this one uh, with ownership most likely dropping. He did not shoot well, 6 of 18. Now, Milwaukee did do a solid job in him defensively, but Tatum's going to play like f- over 40 minutes, um, and he is their go-to guy. Uh, so I, I like Jason Tatum. I think Brown's fine. My only downside of the Brown is, like I said, he's kind of dealing with that hammy. Hammy's always just worry me, but um, he should play around 40 minutes. Um, and he looks okay. Marcus Smart, keep an eye on this. This is obviously massive news. I think he's going to tough it out. Marcus Smart's a pretty tough guy. I think he's going to play um, dealing with that quad, uh, but we'll see. If he does play, I think he'll be relatively low owned because people are going to be worried about the injury. But like I said, Smart is, is, is tough. Um, I think if he plays, he's just playing normal minutes. So um, I wouldn't mind going to Smart if he ends up playing. Um, and then Horford, surprisingly, he played a lot more than I thought. He played 36 minutes. Obviously, he's a good defender. Um, he can defend Giannis. So as long as there's no foul trouble and we get 30-plus minutes from Horford, I do like him here at 5'8". Because, you know, down the stretch there against Brooklyn, he was losing minutes. But if we're going to get, you know, mid-30s minutes from Horford, for, from Horford, I think it makes him a pretty solid play. Now, Robert Williams, uh, I thought he would play more. He only played 22 minutes, dealt with a little bit of foul trouble. Um, Williams is going to be productive when he's on the court. Uh, just a question of how many minutes does he play? So could technically, for example, like Horford could lose minutes if Rob Williams plays really well, or maybe Grant Williams loses minutes. So um, I think they'll they'll kind of go with the hot hand. But like I said, they did close with, with Grant Williams and Horford in the front court instead of Robert Williams. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You could very easily see a game where Rob Williams pushes for 30 minutes. So um, definitely someone I'm still interested in there at a 4.9K price. And I mentioned Grant Williams. He closed. He still played 29 minutes. I'm expecting at least 25 or so. He's not a very good point per minute guy, but he can knock down those corner threes, which I think makes him firmly in play here for value. Derek White's at 3-8. I mean, minutes are a little bit more in question for him. Could he play over 20? Yeah, it's possible. Um, but I think more often than not, he's probably playing in the you know 15-minute range, which makes him a riskier tournament play. Now, Obviously, if Marcus Smart is out, I would assume it's Derek White that moves in the starting lineup. And if that's the case, you just play 100% Derek White. Also, Pritchard, if there's no Marcus Smart, uh, would get a pretty big minutes bump as well. So he would look great if Smart's out. But like I said, I'm expecting uh, Marcus Smart to play. And then Tice played only like four minutes. So uh, no interest in going to Daniel Tice. All right, and then Golden State and Memphis. So here's what I'm saying. You're going to see the overreactions, right? So last slate... Jordan Poole was 10% owned. 10% Jordan Poole. He's not going to be 10% owned again. Now, here's the thing, right? Absolutely nothing has changed with Jordan Poole. There's nothing that has changed other than he had a really good game. And now you're going to see a very big ownership increase, right? There's nothing that changed from last game to now. Nothing. And his ownership is going to go way up because of that one big game. Now, I still think Poole's a solid play, but but I'm very curious to see how popular he will be after that big game, because he was extremely low on last game, and like I said, 
There is nothing that has changed with Jordan Poole. So, uh, going to be interesting uh, to see what his ownership ends up at. I would say at least 2 to 3x uh, of what he was last night. He was 10% owned last night. Steph Curry at 9-1, on the other hand, had a you know subpar game, still played big minutes, but um, he is the guy of the guards that has the highest ceiling, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you, on average, Steph Curry, you know, obviously pulled a big game last game, but, you know, you play 10 games, Steph Curry is going to outperform Clay and Poole in most of those games. So I think Steph Curry still looks pretty good here. Um, and 9.1K feels a little bit underpriced for him. The only downside of Curry, though, is like I said, Golden State, you know, they have a lot of guys that can do damage. Obviously, Clay and Poole can score the ball. Um, you know, Gary Payton's played well. Draymond uh, can, you know, obviously distribute. So Wiggins is a solid player overall. So um, that's the only downside of Curry is, you know, we'll talk about a jaw on the other side. You know, Ja is really relied upon to do kind of everything. Where Steph, if he's struggling a bit, he can rely on on you know uh, his other options like Clay, like Poole, those other guys. Um, and Clay Thompson himself, I would guess he's going to be the low so now of the bunch. Just had a, a not so good shooting game, a six of nineteen. So um, here's the thing, right? I would in tournaments, I would rather go to Clay Thompson over Jordan Poole. And the reason is, I just think Jordan Poole is going to be a lot more popular after that big game. And while I think, obviously, Poole's a good play, uh, like I said, I think his ownership's going to be a lot higher than it was last game. And then Draymond at 6-5, I like him once again. Uh, Faders got bailed out with a BS ejection. I'm still pissed about that because it would have been another big night for me had he not got ejected. But, again, Draymond's going to do everything for the team. Memphis is not great defensively. So uh, I like Draymond a good amount here at 6-5. I think Wiggins is a relatively safe play. You know, outside of the game, when I finally play him, he usually plays over 30 minutes. Again, I finally buy in against Denver. No foul trouble. 24 minutes for Wiggins. But yeah, Wiggins, not a super high ceiling, but probably going to get you somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 fancy points. Um, would, you know, I think he's a pretty similar play to what Dorian Finney-Smith was tonight. And then um, off the bench, Porter 3-7. Uh, with Iguodala still out, I think he's probably playing around 20 minutes. Played a bit more last game because Draymond obviously got ejected, but... Um, I think he's a fair value. And then Gary Payton started last game. If he starts again, I think he's a pretty good value. He also dealt with some foul trouble, so he only played 23 minutes. But um, Payton's, you know, produces when he's on the court. So I like Payton quite a bit if he starts again. And then I'll mention Looney. Um, he played a bit more last game, obviously, because of the Draymond ejection. I think on average, he's just going to play the backup five, maybe even a little bit less. So 3.2K, maybe we get, you know, 10 to 12 minutes from Looney. All right, we'll finish up with Memphis. So, John Morant is at 10-1. I mean, I played him at very low ownership. Again, I played him at 15% ownership last slate. I can guarantee you he's not going to be 15% out. This is what I'm talking about with, you know, overreactions to uh, to one game. However, like I said with Ja, um, he's going to be relied upon to do everything. And he has a super high floor because he's rebounding the ball at a good rate. He's obviously dishing out a lot of assist. And when he has a decent scoring night, um, he, get, he can break the slate like he did last game. So I like Ja a good amount here. Um, however, like I said, unfortunately, we're not going to, I'm not going to get 15% on jaw like he did last late. Um, Desmond Bain at six, seven. So he is listed as questionable with a sore back. I would say 95% chance he plays, but we'll keep an eye on it. Um, now with Bain, um, you know, he had a bad game because he didn't shoot the ball well. And that can happen with Desmond Bain, right? If he's not hitting his shots, he does have a floor, but you know, if he's shooting the ball, well, this is also his ceiling. So no issue if you want to play Bain in a tournament setting. And here's another one, right? Jaron Jackson Jr. I've played him. 
you know, outside of the last game, that was the first time I finally faded. Of course, he had another big game. But all these games, I've played Jaron Jackson at like 5 to 10% on a ship. He's not going to be that low owned again because of back-to-back big games. So it's going to come down to how popular do I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is. Because when I, when I want to play Jaron Jackson Jr. is when he's going to be very low owned. And that's why I was all over him for that stretch of, of time. And he kept getting in foul trouble, which tilted me beyond belief. Because with Jaron Jackson Jr., he is a lot of the time in foul trouble. So if Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a popular play tomorrow, I want none of it. I want absolutely none of chalk Jaron Jackson Jr. If he is, in fact, going to be chalk. If he's going to be relatively low-owned again, that's when I want to play Jaron Jackson Jr. So, obviously, the ceiling is there. Um, And he can hurt you, though, if he gets in foul trouble like he did for basically the first five games of that Minnesota series. I think Clark is your much safer play. Probably a little bit. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has the higher ceiling. But I think Clark has a little bit of a higher floor. He's not really a guy that deals with foul trouble much. He's going to play around 30 minutes. He played 31 last game. So I think Clark's a pretty safe play where Jaron Jackson is more of the ceiling play. And then Dylan Brooks. I mean, my God, was that an awful shooting game from him. He was also in foul trouble. I mean, I played like, he just like airballed like three shots. Like, come on, right? Uh, But I think that'll keep him pretty low on based on an awful shooting game. Brooks can still go for like 35 if he has a decent shooting game, right? Decent shooting game here, 9 of 19, 34 fancy points. Decent shooting game, 10 of 20, 31 fancy points. The downside, like I said, though, he's score independent. So if he struggles with a shot like last game, he can hurt you. But he's going to play big minutes as long as you know foul trouble because he's one of their best defenders. Now, the value, this is where I don't know what to do with, with Melton because um, he played very, he was DNP last couple of games of the series. And then he played very well, and he got extended and played 25 minutes. Um, I don't think he plays 25 minutes again. I think on average with Melton in the rotation, we're probably getting 15-ish minutes, which makes him playable. You know, Melton is relatively high usage player when he's on the court. Um, so I just kind of, I don't know what to do here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what his ownership comes out to as well, but um, yeah, obviously Melton is playable. I don't think we get 25 minutes again from him. Like I said, I think, you know, on average around 15 and then with Melton playing very well, it was Tyus Jones that really saw that minutes decrease. But I think if Melton struggles, um, or if Tyus Jones plays a little bit better off the bench, you could go back to like around 20 minutes from Jones. Again, Golden State is a small ball team. So you could technically see Memphis close with one of those guards. So, uh, both Brooks or both Melton and Jones are in play. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson at 3-7. We should see, you know, 15 to 20 minutes from him. More of a, a secondary value. And that's it. I don't think I'm going to consider Xavier Tillman at 3-2. Who's going to start, but most likely going to play 10 to 12 minutes. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for the video. Again, if you do enjoy the YouTube just YouTube videos, just make sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, appreciate everyone watching uh, the content. As always, guys, let's hope for another big night. And I'll see you all in the next video.